You're listening to Phanalysis, a sci-fi and fantasy TV podcast. In this episode, we are talking about episode 109 of Winona Earp, Bury Me With My Guns On. My name is Chris. And I'm Annie. And let's start with general reviews. What did you think, Annie? I thought this was a crazy up, but a good up. It was great, where just so much stuff happened. But uh, I really love how Winona was just seemed to be really shaken to the core by what happened with last week's encounter with Jack and creepy Dr. Reggie, uh, as she should be. And uh, I thought that just made for more dramatic scenery-chewing stuff from Melanie Scrifano. So I just like how that thread ran throughout the episode. But I'm not sure about Doc and Winona going beyond the friend zone again. I'm like, eh, I don't know, you guys. It's kind of a... I don't know if that's a good idea. Complicated. But um, Dolls and Nedley forming their little uh, alliance and understanding, I thought that was good. Because it was good to give Nedley more of a background and stuff to chew on. And um, how Dolls had Winona's back in the end. And yeah, there was the little way hot stuff that happened that I was looking forward to. Eh, was all right. No, <laughs> I thought it was adorable, adorable, and very well written. And uh, so it was nice to see that slow burn kind of come to fruition. And I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. So what about you, Chris? I similarly thought that was a wild episode. Mm-hmm. Like I just lots of stuff happened. It was crazy. But the the thing is, like the episode, I have mixed feelings about it. Because I thought some really interesting stuff happened, but the episode as a whole felt kind of scattered to me. Yeah, I had some questions. Because, as, I mean, as you mentioned, like, a lot of stuff happened, but yeah. it didn't quite come together for me. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. as as a whole. Like, it yeah. felt like it, it was really three separate storylines going on. Yeah. And I had some questions about the storylines, and some stuff was kind of like, eh, why did that happen? Yeah. yeah. Anyway... Winona's hurting and Bobo's gross and Dolls <laughs> looks about as comfortable with socializing as I am, which is not. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm mad at Doc. Yeah. And to me, Winona was just too forgiving of him. Mm. But yeah, Waverly and Nicole are, are cute and kind of awkward. Yep. As it goes, sometimes. So let's talk about the stuff that happened in the episode. Because we start off, Winona is coping with the events of last week's episode by drinking and flirting, basically. Yeah, that's a dangerous kind of coping. But It can uh, be, yeah. At least it started off with really glorious slow-mo hair porn. I mean, God, does Emily Andrus know her audience or what? I was like, <laughs> well, hey. apparently so, Annie. <laughs> and that that <laughs> that was a good song in the background. I don't this episode had really good music, I thought. But yeah, I, I just kept thinking like, oh, why not if you're gonna act out that way, at least take a buddy there with you, right? Because, yeah. I mean, granted, Doc stepped in, but that just kind of annoyed me a little bit. Because <laughs> it's yeah. Doc. And it's like, wouldn't it have been great if it was, you know, Waverly, let's say. Waverly, who had, yeah. Who had stepped in instead. Because, I mean, Waverly works there. And yeah. Waverly has good reason to be protective of Winona. I know that it was Doc because of all the stuff that happened later, but still. Yeah, and although I did at least appreciate that Doc's said in that line, you know, she's nobody's, you know, what, what did he say there? She's nobody's, um, you know, business. Well, but she's own. nobody's but her own because the guy said nobody's something about, it's own. not your concern. Yeah, yeah. And she's, he said, she's nobody's but her own, which yeah. I did think was a good line, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was still kind of like, eh. yeah, they had to, 
they had to put Winona with Doc from the beginning to have that thread run through. But still, I, I was know. like, but there was only one scene with Winona and Waverly in it. it. I know, and I'm like, made me sad. But Doc, you know, I don't think he's the best person to go off with when you're going down a self-destructive path. When Doc has his own self-destructive agenda, so yeah, not good. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, since we're talking about it already, let's go ahead and finish talking about it. Dog and Winona sleep together again. But then the Stone Witch also simultaneously has the storyline going on where she's reviving one of the sons, but the other one is apparently living in the one that she revived, I guess. I don't know. Because she couldn't revive both of them because she didn't have the skull. So, yeah. that Right, right. So she's trying to get out of purgatory with the son but gets stopped by Bobo and his lackeys. And apparently the lackeys have picked up the remaining bones, which I just kind of like, I don't understand why she didn't have them with her. Yeah. Why didn't you throw everybody in the trunk? I would have. Why would you just leave those around? I don't know. I know. Uh, Anyway, because apparently this is a a terrible, terrible mistake on her part because they take a flamethrower and destroy those bones, which also apparently kills the other son. Then the stone witch's grief apparently somehow translates into Doc feeling it, and then Doc goes after her, and then Winona goes after Doc. <laughs> it's that all very... Whole, it's a little convoluted. It, it was very convoluted, and I didn't understand why Doc turned on Winona, and why Doc was accusing Dolls of going back... Dolls, uh, accusing Bobo of going back on a deal. You mean Doc accusing Bobo of going back on the deal? Yeah about the stone witch and i'm like wait who said what to who and why is doc turning on winona and then winona says she wants to make a deal to let the stone witch live and i'm like what is going on there's a lot of dealing in this episode but yeah i'm very annoyed with doc like i'm impossibly annoyed with doc for turning on winona and i don't understand why winona forgave him so easily especially after they just slept together and then why did she put down her gun and yeah it was just bad I don't know. But yeah, that part of the episode didn't make sense to me. But considering that Winona was saying to Doc, you know, I had a clear shot at Bobo, and then they're all fine at the end of the episode. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. It was like, what? Where did this forgiveness come from? It it doesn't seem... doesn't seem to track. It doesn't really seem like Winona, does it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But then I don't know, maybe she's returning the favor of, of offering forgiveness? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Because that's at the beginning of the episode, Doc is sort of trying to make her feel better. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I still don't really like it. But anyway. I don't get it. Yeah. But yeah, what was up with the Stone Witch's sons? And why was he all Frankenstein looking? I didn't quite get that. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. But but I guess he's gone. Well, there, there are allusions to her husband. So that's one of my big questions is, is he going to be the next villain then? because they seem to have taken care of of the Stone Witch. I don't know. I think that personally the Stone Witch is just going to lick or bite her way out of this, the, the salt flats. She'll be dehydrated, but she'll be fine. And <laughs> <laughs> I just, when it, when it cut to that shot of the Stone Witch talking and then it's just buried up to her head in the salt, I just started laughing. It was such a funny shot and gave me Xena flashbacks because there, there's a shot like that in Xena. But uh. I was just like, <laughs> what? But I don't quite understand the, the logic of why Nona's like, you dig the hole and I'll bury her. 
So as long as they leave her head there, then Docs can still be alive through this weird psychic connection they have? Yes, apparently. It's the counterpoint, if you will, to her throwing him down a well. Yeah. I actually thought that was rather clever, burying the stone witch in the salt flat. Mm -hmm. I did think that was funny when Winona (laughs) threw the salt at the stone witch. (laughs) It's like, had no effect. (laughs) You can't just bring table salt to a witch fight. I know. (laughs) But she did give her a good right hook, so I thought that was funny. But yeah, that whole dealing and wheeling plot just confused me, so... We'll see, but I don't know. I kind of got the feeling maybe we might see the Stone Witch again, or the repercussions of that will go through the next few episodes. I mean, I would kind of hope so, because that seems like a rather abrupt end to that story, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, when it was totally driving Doc's motivation. Right. I mean, it seemed like a pretty big deal. It's been one of the ongoing stories. For it to end like that seems weird to me. Yeah, I don't think it's quite done. So one of the other things that happened earlier in the episode is that Winona comes into work and she's dressed completely inappropriately. No, she swaggers into work. That was a swagger. I love that slow-mo. I was okay, like, she swaggers into work dressed completely inappropriately. But it's Winona. Come on. Her shirt was lace. <laughs> and her pants were leather. But you know what? At least she had a jacket. Everybody had more clothes in this episode than the last few <laughs> it's true. episodes. They, they did look much warmer this episode. So finally, I think production and the costume department felt sorry for the actors <laughs> freezing their butts off. And they're like, okay, we'll give you more clothes on camera because it's minus 30 out there. Well, you know, if anybody had lost anything due to frostbite, I'm sure there would have been legal bills. So it was probably cheaper to just buy everybody warmer, <laughs> warmer clothes. <laughs> But anyway, I'm just saying, that's not professional, why no, no. <laughs> but she gets to work, and there's somebody there to administer a lie detector test. Yeah. Which Winona then fails. And I'm like, wow, head lady shrink, you're not cool asking all these questions. But, you know, it's what you would ask in a interview like that, I guess. But poor Winona, I felt bad for her. And then... I was mad at Dolls for just suspending her. I was like, what? Well, but what's he supposed to do? That's true. I was annoyed with him for not just saying he cares. (laughs) I know. She obviously needed to hear it. I don't know why he couldn't just just say it. But anyway, he showed he cared by the end of the episode. That's the really important part. Yeah, then it came back around, so that was good. And him faking the second test, so yeah. I liked that, too. Mm Mm-hmm. We also got some good stuff with Dolls and Nedley. Which is good, because we haven't seen Nedley much, and then we kind of got a better sense of him that he at least cared about his deputies and what was going on with his town in last week's episode. And then we haven't seen a a real scene between Nedley and Dolls yet. And I think that's kind of moves the story a bit along a bit, where finally Dolls can stop just being... You know, he can get out of his, like, federal agent. Sometimes he's a bit of a stickler to the rules, stick-in-the-mud kind of guy. And Nedley's like, you gotta blend. It was enjoyable watching Nedley, like, coaching dolls through being a normal human being. (laughs) Yeah. One thing I didn't notice, I was like, why is Dolls so attached to his coffee cup? And then I noticed in a second viewing, it had a big X on it. Right. (laughs) I thought that was cute. But, you know, Nedley invited him in and said, well, if you drink my hooch, you call me 
what's his name, Randy? I believe so, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, and he might have local information and information on the Ghost River Triangle that Dulles doesn't know about. But I did like the acknowledgement also that Nedley is aware that there's weird stuff going on in Purgatory. Because he kept Nicole's report, and yeah, he's not, you know, he's not as uh, dumb as Dolls, you know, made him out to be, or as useless as he referred him to be at the beginning of the at the beginning of the season. But uh, yeah, so speaking of Nedley knowing about weird stuff going on, so Nicole comes to him with her report, and you know, he's like, "I'm not going to take this report." You know, it sounds like practical joke, and. He goes, you should just resign if that's going to happen. And she says, well, no, I don't want to resign. I like it here. And I totally read that line as, no, I don't want to resign. I like Waverly. So (laughs) that's why I want to stay here. Yeah, that's how you're supposed to read it, Annie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So then she goes outside and runs into Waverly. And that whole scene with them having conversations, but misunderstanding each other. I think it's really difficult to write those scenes effectively and, you know, also to act them well so that, you know, the actors have enough chemistry so that it works. That scene totally worked for me. It was one of my howling, laughing, knee-slapping scenes, and Chris knows how much I get into TV, but it's like, when, Waverly, what is it? You know, Nicole says, everybody's whispering about it. Waverly's like, oh God, I hope not. Just, (laughs) but I thought that scene worked really well, and I thought it was cute. And then, of course, there has to be a reference that Waverly makes to a unicorn, and I'm like, oh, Emily, you always have to throw unicorn reference in there. What did you think about that, Chris? What, the unicorn reference? No, 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 just that whole scene. Oh, I thought it was pretty cute. But I, I like how that was motivated by earlier in the episode where Gus was giving Waverly the check and encouraging her, saying, hey, you need to get out of this town and live your life and do something that you want to do, not what others have been telling you to do. And it's always nice to see Gus in there. I do like Gus quite a lot, and and I appreciate how supportive she was Mm -hmm. towards Waverly in this episode. Yeah. I guess here's my big issue with some of this stuff, was I feel like we needed to see more of Waverly's thought process perhaps leading up to going to go see Nicole. Okay. Just because in past episodes, we never really got more than, you know, a a shy smile, basically. Yeah. Directed it at Nicole. Like there wasn't, there wasn't any overt interest there to me, which Mm -hmm. I mentioned last week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I did like the car scene where (laughs) Nicole's following Waverly in her cruiser, like at zero miles, miles an hour. And that shot just made me giggle. But, um, you know, I did like how that scene where, you know, they, again, had an understanding and Nicole was saying, well, I'm not going to make you be anybody you don't want to be. But Waverly's starting to express her frustration of, can't everybody just stand still and, to, you know, let me know what's going on or ask my opinion. So it didn't just go from, you know, at least there's a couple scenes building up. But, yeah, I, I can understand what you're saying, Chris, that there, I wish there had been more build up through the season on Waverly's part. Yeah, and similarly, I actually really wish they would have had a scene in between the scene in the car and the scene in the police station, Mm -hmm. or the sheriff department. Yeah. Because, for me, it just, it transitioned too drastically. Mm -hmm. Because, I don't know, just, this is is my own personal preference, right? But if you're doing a slow build, (laughs) I kind of need to see more of the actual building, because they went 
straight from Shy Smiles to Waverly going to confront her. And then they have that awkward conversation, <laughs> followed by another awkward conversation, which ends up with, I don't know, Nicole seemed a little put out that Waverly was like, maybe just be friends. And to me, it would have been nice. This is, again, just my own personal preference. If we'd had a scene of them actually perhaps attempting to actually just be friends, mm-hmm. where maybe they're having a conversation over coffee or something, right? Yeah, and if they went for that the whole coffee. time being vaguely flirtatious, but maybe trying not to or, you know, something, mm-hmm. something like that. And then cutting from that to the police station, you know? I mean, I have to admit the police station thing did kind of surprise me because it was abrupt. Yeah. You know, I thought when Waverly was closing all the blinds that she was just going to turn to her and say, okay, and this is how I feel about you. But instead, she kind of, you know, Showed jumped her. on her. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, that's one way to go about it. But I did like the lines how Waverly said, you know, I want to do this. I want to jump out of a plane. I want to eat. What is it? Gooey duck. Gooey duck, which I did have to Google. And I went, oh, oh. I knew Ew. what that was. So I did not. Yeah. I have seen them before, yeah. Yeah. So it was funny because uh, there was the uh, one on our podcast fan chat after the episode, and uh, Catherine Burrell joined for a few minutes, and she goes, yeah, I had to look what that was. I had to look up what that was, too. So, but, uh, yeah, she said she was just interested in making the scene real and, uh, you know, honest. So, but she said she was pretty happy with how it came out. I will say, on the positive side, that I'm like, okay, now there really is interest on Waverly's part. And I like that they kiss for more than 0.02 seconds. Because sometimes it's like, oh, just a little Chase kissed. And then, you know, I mean, it's a typical, you know, thing. And as we say, it's a typical lesbian thing. We have to process for another 20 episodes, even though that's good. But still, I like that there was a little more snogging in this episode. So <laughs> I, uh, I enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. They were pretty cute. They were. Pretty cute. And there was the big smile from Nicole. Yeah. With because the dimple. I did like how she seemed shocked at first, like, what happened to friends? <laughs> but I, I did appreciate, again, random thought, that Waverly had so many more clothes this episode. <laughs> so mm-hmm. she wasn't freezing her butt off. She even had a scarf this episode. I know, and Nicole put it to good use. So I guess the only other thing that I have to bring up is, what is it in shorties that Bobo needs, do we think? Well, didn't he refer to something earlier in the episode? There's something that I need that it will be the last piece to... Or oh, no, sure. I mean, they've referenced this a number of times. I just... Yeah. I want to know what it was. I mean, it's not an actual question because we don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you figured he must know something. I mean, otherwise, why would he buy shorties? Or is it just to get under Winona's skin? Well, I mean, the way he phrases it when they're storming the place, there's something there. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like, anyway. Well, and uh, Uncle Curtis was clever at hiding the skull, so right, maybe something else is cleverly hidden in there. Could be. Yeah. But I just, I have questions. Which, yeah. I mean, we're supposed to. I feel bad that Waverly won't be able to wear her three shorty shirts and work there anymore. But yeah, that was kind of a shocker to me when the Revenant said Bobo bought shorties. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. Yep. Bummer. And again, where does the story go from here? Well, I guess this is kind of like the beginning of where the story goes, because we were asking last week, where does it go from here? Now that Winona's killed the Seven, so I guess now she's got to somehow boot Bobo out of shorties. Well, right. But I mean, like, 
Last week, we were wondering, okay, is Constance Cludy going to be the big villain for the remainder of the season? But they seem to have taken care of her, too. So is her husband going to show back up? And I don't know. I missed that reference to her husband. I'll have to go back and watch. They mentioned it a couple of times because Bobo says something about the sons taking after their father. Mm -hmm. And then later when Doc and Winona are burying her, she says, actually, it was before that. It was when they were interrogating her earlier. She had said that her revenge against Doc was actually about Wyatt. It was actually the Stone Witch's husband who is the one who cursed Wyatt Earp. Uh, But how do we know the Stone Witch's husband is still alive? We don't. We know nothing about him. They've just mentioned him a couple of times in this episode. So that has me wondering if he's going to be... What the Stone Witch said about the curse is true, you know, is Winona. You know, Doc was saying she's lying, but I think Winona's willing to take what information she can get and try to draw her own conclusions. But I'm just saying the fact that he's been brought up for the first time and in significant ways, mm-hmm. to me, indicates that it's likely he'll show up at some point and perhaps be a problem. That makes sense. Either show up in the story, you know, maybe they do research and find out who he was and what it was that he did to Wyatt. I mean, I don't know. But it seems not unlikely to me that he will show up in person in the story. Yeah. But I don't know. So, next episode, we need more Waverly and Winona working together. For sure. They only had one scene together in this episode. and Yeah. It it didn't occur to me at first, but then later I was like, something feels wrong. I feel like I'm missing something. And then it dawned on me, that's what it was. Yeah. I miss it when it's not there. Yeah. What was the scene they had together when they were talking about not selling shorties? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, more scenes show. Until then, I'll take more way hot, way hot on the side, because uh, you and all of Twitter, from what I could see. Yeah, I know, but I would like her and Nicole and Nedley to really know what's going on instead of just being on the sidelines, so they could join the team and help fight all the revenants. But that could potentially endanger them. Well, I think everybody in Purgatory is in danger anyway, since they're living amongst a bunch of revenants in the Ghost River Triangle. Maybe. Yeah. So, hi, Chris. Hello. I, I wanted to share three things about this episode. Is is that okay? No. Yes, go ahead, please. Okay, thought number one, yay Gus, more Gus, where's Gus? That's fair. <laughs> my, my second thought was that I think my favorite scene of the episode was actually between Dolls and Nedley when they were sitting in his office, which probably sounds like a weird pick for a lot of people. <laughs> it was a good scene. I liked that scene. And and let me tell you what in particular stood out for me in that scene. It was in particular the line that Nedley had where he talked about how whatever is going on, it has cost them both their deputies. And if he loses hot, he'll have to go hire some fool like Champ. Yeah, he'll, he'll have to go deputize Champ Hardy or something like that was what he said. Yeah, yeah. and he calls him, it's not a fool, but it's some some stupid, <laughs> implying that he's not the brightest. And the reason I really liked that that line is that it implies that Nedley appreciates Hot and her, like, she he thinks that she's capable and he appreciates her as a professional. And the fact that, you know, he's a small town, older white guy saying that about a woman is pretty cool. And the fact that she's also like a queer woman, that's even cooler. 
And uh, to me, it, it sort of added some layers to Officer Hot that I've kind of been missing because I, I feel like, you know, her storyline has been really focused on her attraction to Waverly and we haven't gotten much other development for her. And even though this was such a small little moment, I really appreciated it because of that. Yeah, I mean, I think we've gotten some hints before that she's, you know, a competent officer, but it is nice to get acknowledgement of that from her boss, basically. And I also really just like that scene because I think it made Nedley more of a nuanced character, too. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Because there has been a lot of him just kind of seeming like, I don't know, a bit of an obstacle, I guess, Mm -hmm. as much as anything. So I did appreciate that in this episode, that we get more layers, more indication of what he's about, too. Yeah. And then the third thing that I wanted to share is that I was just smacking my hand against my face during the lie detector scene. Because that, like, uh, uh, that is not how you do a lie detector test. (laughs) Nobody on TV, well, I shouldn't say nobody, so often on TV, the lie detector tests are just like, oh my god, they're so ridiculous. (laughs) How, How many lie detector tests have you taken, Stephanie? I haven't taken that many, but I've actually read quite a bit about lie detector tests and, like, their efficacy and how they're supposed to be conducted. Mm Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, from the reading that I've done, like the best way to do a lie detector test is you fi- you kind of focus on a narrow topic and your questions should be structured very similarly to each other. So this like all over the place questioning and not asking la- yes or no questions, like when was the last time you had sex? Like that's not how you do a lie detector test. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe they were trying to measure other things besides that, but it just reminded me of of all the lie detector tests that we saw in like covert affairs. I watched a couple of seasons of that show and every time they did a debrief with a lie detector test, I was just like, "Oh my gosh, no, this is not how it's done." <laughs> There's a reason they're not they're not usable as evidence in court, right? Well, it, though people would people would argue that that is often because the testing is done improperly. If that's what makes them unreliable rather than the test itself. But yes, you are exactly right. Well, I, here's the thing about lie detector tests. Just my own personal. I mean, I, I've never taken a lie detector test, but I. Oh, me neither. I keep thinking like the thing about it is there are certain things that you could theoretically ask me that like just bringing it up would provoke a response, but it wouldn't necessarily mean I'm lying. You know what I mean? Right. Like mm-hmm. you're just. You're provoking me. It's not a matter of whether or not I'm telling the truth, you know. I just get anxious about stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I would think nervousness would show up as deception indicated, right? It can't, yes. So I'm just like... But a good tester would probably say, they seem nervous. We should do this again. (laughs) I'm never not going to be nervous, tester. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Not that I've thought about this extensively. But I was also a little confused as to how the lie detector test and her failing that evaluation, whatever it was, how that just went away so quickly. I, I think it, it was implied that Dolls did something, but what did he do? <laughs> we don't know what he did, but there's certainly the implication that maybe Dolls falsified a report or something. Okay. Since he basically knows Winona pretty well <laughs> with that whole, you know, three energy drinks and swearing through it and whatever. Ah, dolls. You are a softie. He is. I enjoyed him this episode. I did too. It's like, look, he smiled. (laughs) (laughs) He was so awkward with drinks in this episode, though. (laughs) It's like, what do I do with this cup? (laughs) Oh, we'll talk about the awkwardness later in the episode. But do you remember there's that commercial 
that they that Jack tries to film on Thirty Rock, where he's like, "I don't know what to do with my hands," and he's holding two mugs. Yes. That was kind of like dolls with the mugs. This episode. <laughs> that is a good example. Yes, Jack, and he's like, "I can't remember what I do with my hands." <laughs> And then he's got a, a mug in each hand. Yeah, this this feels right. <laughs> no, Jack. No, it doesn't. <laughs> if you have thoughts about this episode that you'd like to share with us, you can do that in a number of ways. You can send us an email at feedback at askgenretv.com. You can record a voice memo with your smartphone and email it to us. You can call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. We're on Twitter at AskGenreTV. Phenalysis is part of the Ask Genre TV family of podcasts. We have other podcasts for Orphan Black and Killjoys and Lost Girl and some other things. You can find all of those at AskGenreTV.com. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Chris. And I'm Annie. Thanks for listening. <laughs>